When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wednesday, December 7th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes from the winter meetings in San Diego. Hoynesy, the Guardians uh, make a move, and they, they got their guy. Uh, Josh Bell agrees to a two-year deal with Cleveland, $33 million uh, reportedly for uh, for two seasons with uh, uh, a first for uh, for Cleveland with with this opt out after the first season. Uh, tell me about how uh, the structure of this deal benefits both Bell and the Guardians. Yeah, it's interesting, Joe. I can't remember uh, Cleveland making a deal with a uh, a free agent that included an opt out until this year. And I guess the way it works, um, you know, Bell can uh, if he has a great year, you know, and uh, he can opt out of the uh, opt out of the second year of the contract um, after this season, uh, become a free agent and reset his market value uh, at front. And you know, so that helps him. It also helps the uh, the Guardians because you know they would benefit from his good season. Uh, they could, you know, perhaps if he goes back in before he goes back into the free agent market, they could, you know, stick a qualifying offer on him which would get them a draft pick, or he might even, you know, accept that qualifying offer and return and, and, and help uh, Cleveland, you know, you know, continue on, a, on the path of, uh, you know, being a contender um, from uh, Cleveland's point of view, let's say, uh, you know, if, if this season doesn't go well for a bell, you know, if he uh, kind of mimics the second half he had with San Diego last season, um, you know, they're not really on the hook for, a, you know, for a five or six uh, year deal. Uh, you know, they, you know, yes, uh, you know, Bell would, you know, turn down the option and come back uh, for uh, 2024. But, you know, that that it would be a short term situation. And, uh, you know, so you're not on the hook for a five year, $100 million deal or something like that. So, you know, when you look at it from from both perspectives, you know, I think, uh, you know, it helps the player and it helps the ball club. Yeah, and it's still the second highest average annual value uh, contract that the the club has ever given out. Uh, it's second only to Edwin Encarnacion's twenty million dollars that that he signed for in twenty seventeen. Uh, it's it's uh, it's still a significant signing and a significant deal for the club. Uh, but but you're right, it does give them flexibility. It, it's just it it sounds to me just like the perfect Chris Antonetti contract. Uh, it, it, it allows them to bring in uh, and fill a need that they had from last year in terms of a, a, a gaping hole of, 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 of a power bat in the middle of the lineup. But it also gives them that flexibility so that they're not sort of uh, hamstrung uh, with their with their payroll. Yeah, you know, and uh, it, it works for uh, Antonetti. 
it, and Scott Boros, you know, who is uh, Bell's agent, likes to do this. He likes he likes to get uh, get his players options, give them the ability to opt out of a deal, especially a short term deal, so they can reestablish their their worth on the uh, free agent market. And you know, Bell is going to have that chance. Well, and and like you talked about, resetting your market value, uh, bouncing back from the the struggles that he had uh, the last 53 games of the the regular season last year, uh, he he did not uh, you know perform uh, as well as he was uh, when he came to San Diego in the Juan Soto trade. Uh, he he was hitting over 300 with uh, with the Nationals. Uh, he hit under 200 with San Diego uh, down the stretch. Uh, what indications do we have that 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 the Guardians are getting the Josh Bell uh, from Washington and not the Josh Bell from San Diego? Well, I think they're looking at his career more than more than you know the second part of last season, Joe. This guy is a pretty uh, you know pretty consistent uh, hitter, switch hitter. Um, you know his his uh, splits. You know, against righties, 269, 93 home runs, 340 RBIs. Uh, against lefties, two, 244 batting average, 37 homers, 128 RBIs. I think, uh, you know, they, they like the fact that he can control the strike zone, that even though he has some power, he's not a big strikeout guy. Uh, and that kind of fits into their philosophy that, you know, they had so much success with last season. I'm thinking Chris Valeka is is licking his chops at the uh, at the idea of being able to get his hands on Bell and and get in there and work with him, and and really just sort of increase his his hard hit profile because uh, bat to ball it looks like he's a guy who can you know he he will sort of sacrifice uh, hard contact for. Uh, not striking out, and that's something that the the Guardians like. They they like guys that don't strike out, that put the ball in play. That's certainly going to benefit him uh, this year, especially with the rule changes on the infield. But if he can increase that hard hit uh, profile and 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 not you know ground out weekly or soft line drives, uh, you know if that's something that Valeka can help him improve. Uh, you're looking at a guy who's going to hit 30 home runs and and drive in, you know, close to 100. Yeah, that that's a great point. And you know, he's certainly you know big enough. He's six four, two sixty. You know, he's a power hitter, and he looks like a power hitter. And uh, um, you know, which is you know you know they need yes they need contact, but they also need power because what they finished you know second with the second fewest home runs in the in in baseball last year so you know this was something a targeted need and they feel they have filled it as long as he passes his physical yeah uh, adding him to the lineup doesn't necessarily take them from second fewest home runs uh, to the to the top uh, in by any means but his presence could help the rest of the lineup in terms of you know just being able to 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 hit the ball harder, get more home runs that way, uh, I think everybody in that lineup is going to benefit from uh, the his his a he's a switch hitter in the middle of the lineup. They haven't had a, a power hitting switch hitter other than Ramirez in the lineup uh, since since Lindor was there, uh, and really since uh, Santana was was there as well. So. It, it it helps in a lot of ways to to lengthen that lineup up, uh, and and it's also going to benefit. I think the the one guy it's going to benefit the most is Josh Naylor. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Um, you know, they can do they can do a, a couple different things now with uh, with Bell and Naylor. You you know, you can platoon at first base. Uh, you know, Naylor faced you know because he you know he really struggled against lefties last season. So you know, if when um, when when Josh gets, I mean, when when Naylor gets a, a started at first base, you know, uh, Bell can slip right over to DH. You know, being a switch hitter. You know, you're not going to the platoon advantage. You're not going to lose that. And, um, you know, and you can also, you know, keep Naylor, you know, off his feet more at the DH spot, you know, is and give him some, you know, more more time to, uh, you know, recover from that that broken ankle that, you know, that dogged him last season, you know, that he really never, you know, he played through it, the credit going to him. But, you know, you could tell that he wasn't 100 percent in uh Hopefully, you know, now they've got an option where, you know, he can, you can DH him on, you know, for, for an extended period of time. Or, you know, Francona, Terry Francona was talking about uh, yesterday in his meeting with the media that they might also, you know, try Josh Naylor in, in the outfield, you know, as long as he, you know, if he's, I guess he's making a, uh, you know, attempt to lose some weight and depending on how he, you know, handles you know how he comes to camp and what kind of condition he is and how his ankle is doing we might see him in right field as well yeah i i, I heard that and i saw i read that uh from from tito's comments how, how much do you think that's that's really a possibility that that we're going to see Naylor back out there in the outfield uh, i to me that doesn't seem like something that uh, that they they would really want to be able to do uh, unless they knew for sure he could physically handle it yeah i i think you know I think they always experiment with different things, different players. You know, they talk about the possibilities of that going into spring training. And then when you get to spring training, you know, the kind of, you know, the, the reality kind of hits you in the face sometimes. And, you know, you, you go on to something else. So, you know, I would be surprised if Naylor, if he sees a lot of time in right field. I, I think, you know, Josh Bell and him are, you know, kind of the perfect situation at first base and DH to me. Yeah. Defensively, do you expect Bell to to see the majority of the time on the infield? Uh, he, he's not exactly known as a glove first kind of guy. Uh, his his defense has gotten better since he was in Pittsburgh, but uh, he, he's not, you know, what you would think of as a primarily, uh, you know, defense first first baseman. No. Yeah. I, I, I think he's kind of at best, he's an average first baseman. Um, you know, I know he struggled at times in Pittsburgh. That's what is kind of sticking in my mind, you know, from watching him there. But, uh, you know, I think he's I think he'll see the majority of time at first base. Yeah, you, you get him in there with DeMarlo Hale and uh, and Mike Sarbaugh and they'll uh, they'll work with him and, and, and see, see if they can keep improving him there, uh, because you've basically got a Cadillac infield in terms of uh, you know, gold glovers and, 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 uh, uh, you know, gold glove candidates uh, all around with Jimenez and, and Ramirez out there. So you need somebody who can, uh, can catch the ball over there at, uh, at first base. What does Bell's presence do for Francona's lineup? I know your favorite thing to do is, is ask, uh, Terry Francona, uh, in, uh, in December to fill up, a, fill out a lineup card for, uh, for opening day, uh, and and Tito always is receptive to that question. But uh, <laughs> uh, what uh, what can we project in terms of a lineup now for uh, for the Guardians? Obviously, 
your your top three are are set with uh, Quan Rosario and Ramirez. I I think the the experimenting and tinkering with that is is over. I think you 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 should go into the season with with those three as your top three. But but where do you go from there? Yeah, you know, I was I was trying to draw some lineups up uh, out this morning, and you know, it, it's it's really interesting. It really, you know, uh, Bell's presence really kind of thickens this lineup. I mean, I you know, this, just this is just you know one one thing, one uh, one crack at this, Joe. Okay, we got Quan Rosario, Jose, like you said, at the top three spots. Then you can go Naylor, a lefty, Bell, a switch hitter, Gonzalez, a right-handed hitter. Jimenez, the left-handed hitter, and then, you know, fill in with whoever the catcher is going to be and straw in the ninth spot. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think uh, I think that to me is is where a lot of people are going to go and and, and and jump to uh, in terms of wh- what the logical, uh, you know, decision would be. Uh, Sean Murphy would be a great choice to fill in in that eighth spot. Sure would uh, thicken that lineup up even more. You think about it, you've got uh, an all MLB second teamer in Jimenez, uh, a guy who was a, a you know a Silver Slugger finalist, a, a Gold Glove winner, and and he's batting seventh in that lineup in that order. Uh, you know that that bodes well, I think, for uh, for the the future of the the Guardians if if that's where you're putting a a player of Jimenez's caliber, and and you're able to drop uh, you know Oscar Gonzalez down to. What that sixth spot? I yeah. I, I I like That's it. That's the yeah. one thing that troubled me. I, I you know because he was hitting basically in the middle of the lineup, wasn't he, Joe? Like right, fourth spot, fourth and fifth. Well, and you can and against a a, a left-handed pitcher, you can flip flop. Uh, yeah. you know, na- if you take Naylor out of that lineup, you can you can bring uh Gonzalez up to that that cleanup spot, or you can move Bell into that cleanup spot. Uh, so you know things are things would be different against uh a um, a, a left-handed starter, and you're, you're going to see a bunch of left-handed starters, especially against teams like uh, Kansas City next year. So, so yeah, there's there's a lot of, of of play there. Do you think Bell could could be a cleanup hitter, or uh, you know, is is Naylor ready to be that number four guy on a consistent basis? Yeah, you know, I think you know, based on the pitcher, you know, and and uh, you know, Tito likes the you know that the, the have some stability in the lineup. And I think the top three guys give him that stability. And then I think he can mix and match with the rest of this, you know, the, the rest of that, 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 the middle of that lineup and, uh, Naylor. Yeah. We've seen him in, in the cleanup spot, uh, bell of course. And then Gonzo, you know, we've seen him there. So I think, uh, you know, I think any one of those guys could, could hit cleanup and, you know, that's the beauty of this lineup, I think. Speaking of uh, a guy that can hit cleanup, uh, it doesn't necessarily hit cleanup uh, when he's when he's in the lineup for uh, the New York Yankees, as he's going to be for the New York Yankees for the next nine years or so to come. Uh, the speculation has finally ended. Last night, it seemed like the uh, the Giants were on the doorstep and that it was close to being a, a monumental decision, but Aaron Judge uh, this morning announced back to the Yankees nine years, three hundred sixty million dollars. Uh, it's the talk of the the winter meetings as I'm as I'm watching on TV. I'm, I'm seeing people in the lobby there in your hotel, Hoinsey. Everybody's crazy. It's it's Judge Mania and 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 uh, the uh, the the word that everybody was waiting for 
uh, all weekend has has finally come to pass. Uh, the New York writers are so happy. It's 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 way it was the obvious decision. Uh, I mean, come on, just quit patting yourselves on the back. Uh, Judge back to the Yankees, three hundred sixty million dollars, uh, nine years, pretty much uh, a foregone conclusion. Uh, even though he he came real close to being in San Francisco. Yeah, and uh, from uh, you know what I've read, jo- uh, Joe, there was a late push by the the, the Padres as well. Uh, you know, late late um, you know Tuesday, uh, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, uh, this morning. So you know, Judge bets on himself. You know, turns down that offer from that two hundred million dollar offer from the Yankees in spring training, and now he earns, he boosts that that total to two hundred by two hundred thirteen point five million to like you said three hundred a uh, three hundred sixty million payday, and Joe, you know, you know where we can trace this all back to, Nick Swisher, the in- <laughs> Cleveland side of <laughs> Nick Swisher in two thousand thirteen, and the uh, Yankees using the, uh, that comp- compensatory uh, draft pick to draft Judge. And, uh, you know, that's that's how he ended up in in New York. So I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. I guess Nick Swisher's legacy lives on in Cleveland. Well, the, the Dolans should be expecting their fruit basket, right? Is that, uh, <laughs> is that what you're saying? That should, yeah. that should show up at the headquarters this week? Uh, gee, thanks. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, great. I, I'm I'm kind of burned out on on Judge News, and you know, from the the home run chase to, you know, is he the it was the the MVP to to everything else. I, I just uh, okay, great. You've signed him. That's great. Let's move on. Let's uh, let's be done with it, and and let's talk about something else. Let's talk about somebody else. Hey hey, let's talk about Sean Murphy because Sean Murphy is a guy who's still out there, and and the Guardians are obviously still very interested in making some sort of trade. How is the, how is the guardians 40 man roster? How is the guardians uh, farm system? How is the organization going to look different? uh, Once Sean Murphy is no longer an Oakland athletic is, is it going to mean that the guardians have, have, have shipped a bunch of their prospects or uh, a bunch of major league ready guys or guys on the 40 man uh, to Oakland for Sean Murphy or does it mean that they're going to be looking elsewhere to to make a trade maybe with Toronto for one of their catchers or or to sign somebody like uh, uh, Christian Vasquez or uh, Wilson Contreras? Yeah, I think, you know, all um, all options are open right now, Joe. I do think they're making some progress uh, toward getting a catcher. As, as Terry Francona said yesterday, when it comes to opening day, we are going to have a catcher who will be catching, which is a good thing, because if not, the ball is going to roll to the backstop a lot. So they need that guy back there, somebody back there catching. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're still in the Sean Murphy thing. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I don't know if this is an indication that perhaps, you know, they would go the um, the free agent route as they did with Bell. It might be, you know, wouldn't cost them as many, pro- it obviously wouldn't cost them prospects. Um, maybe they could get, uh, you know, a Christian Vasquez on a, on a, on a similar deal as, as they got bell, you know, a shorter term deal. But I do think, uh, this thing is coming to a head and, um, you know, they should have a catcher before Christmas. Yeah. I, I really, the more we think about it, the more we talk about it, I, I really think that a trade is sort of the only option for them because I can't see them adding more payroll at, at this time. 
and and also log jamming up their whole farm system. They have to move some bodies. They have to move people uh, in order to free up spots. Uh, they they did such a magnificent job uh, last season. At this time, we were all you know speculating on on who who would be going where and and what and who they be who they could possibly be bringing in. And it was nobody because they wanted to fill in and bring up and free up spots for those young players. Well, now you've got some of those young players who have established themselves and and you've got to sort of open up some more new avenues here. You've got to move some of these prospects. Guys like Tyler Freeman and, uh, you know, Brian Rocchio and, and uh, you know, George Valera, they need the the opportunity to, to establish themselves on the 40-man. And it, it's, a, it's a crowded house right now. Yeah, and uh, you know, like Oakland, from what I've heard, is wants uh, you know Cleveland's top pitching prospects. I mean, a lot of teams are in on Murphy, and they've been asking for you know they've been asking, and Oakland has been asking for the moon. Do you give up Espino, Gavin Williams, Logan Allen to get a you know to get Murphy? Uh, you know, that's a lot. That's a big ask. But it's, you know, like we said before, Joe. If you get Murphy, it's going to hurt. You know, this is not going to be a cheap deal. And uh, you're going to, you know, your your supply of prospects is going down. And uh, But, you know, in the end, I think it would be worth it. Yeah. Can you convince Oakland uh, maybe take uh, – yeah, you're going to have to give up uh, one of those top prospects, one of those top pitching prospects, I think. Uh, you're going to lose an arm. But can you convince them to maybe take a, a Zach Plesak as well so that they have somebody who's uh, major league ready and fills out their staff? Or or does that fit in their plans? Uh, can, a, can a guy, you know, uh, uh, Tyler Freeman to me seems like a guy who uh, would have value for a, a club like Oakland. Uh, and, and, you know, they've got control over him. They could build with him and around him. And he's he's a guy who's ready to play at the major league level right now. Uh, I, I just, I can't see why they wouldn't, why they wouldn't ask for him or wouldn't want him. Uh, if, if the majority of what they're going for is pitching though, boy, it's a good thing that the guardians, uh, spent a whole draft in 2021, just choosing college level ready, uh, pitching arms to, to sort of fill in their upper minor leagues. Yeah. You know, and that the, the pitching factory, you know, is still producing arms that, you know, have really kind of enticed other teams that have interested other teams. You know, that's uh, the, uh, the guardians are getting a lot of hits on those guys, a lot of interest. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know, you build a farm system for two, to, for two reasons, Joe, to help the big league club, you know, with, uh, you know, guys coming up through the minors and to trade those guys to help the big league club. So, you know, the Indians, I mean, the guardians have done a great job with that and, uh, you know, we'll have to see where it takes them. Uh, speaking of uh, other uh, organizations and teams showing interest, uh, the World Baseball Classic, uh, you, you not only have uh, other clubs showing interest in, in Guardians prospects, you have uh, whole countries now showing uh, interest in uh, Guardians players and prospects and, 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 uh, and assets. Uh, what do you think the chances are that uh, a, a big number of Guardians players uh, ask to go represent their countries in this World Baseball Classic? And who are some of the uh, the, the top guys that, that could be gone for uh, an extended period of time during spring training? Yeah, you know, uh, Terry Francona yesterday said uh, 
they have 19 players uh, that could, you know, play in the WBC for various countries. Um, you know, right off the top of, you know, my head, uh, you know, I think Canada could 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 benefit very greatly from Cleveland's roster with uh, both Nailers, Josh and Bo, and Cal Quantrill, both, you know, all three Canadian born, all three that have come up through the, uh, you know, Canada's baseball system, baseball feeder system. Um, but I think they're still, they're, they haven't announced those three guys because um, they, they want to check with Cleveland first. And, you know, so we'll see, you know, just how much, uh, if, if if Cleveland would give the uh, the go-ahead to those guys. I, I think, you know, with, na- with the both nailers, the position players, it might be a little easier. Uh, but, you know, with, the, with Quantrill, I, you know, I get the feeling that they're, that the, uh, the Guardians are very, very hesitant to let any of their top guys, you know, pitch in the WBC. Right. Uh, I, I believe I, I read somewhere that uh, Shane Bieber was of was on the wish list for USA Baseball, but uh, it, it doesn't really seem like uh, that that is going to work out unless unless something changes between now and the and the start of that. Yeah, I talked to uh, Tony Riggins, the general manager for Team USA, and he said that uh, Cleveland has told them that none of their uh, pitchers will be, you know, uh, performing for uh, Team USA in the WBC. At least that's the impression he got. Uh, among the headliners, uh, I, I guess, who have already committed, uh, Andres Jimenez, Emmanuel Classe, uh, Jimenez for Venezuela, Classe, and Jose Ramirez for the Dominican, if Jose's uh, able to uh, come back if he's ready after his uh, thumb surgery. Uh, but, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of risk. Uh, a guy like uh, Emmanuel Classe uh, led the majors in appearances last year. Uh, you certainly don't want to see him. He was he'd be a guy that they would be a candidate for, you know, slow playing at the uh, at the start of spring training there. But uh, now it looks like he's going to be, uh, you know, ramping up pretty early with uh, with the Dominican Republic. Right. And, uh, you know, uh Emmanuel was here and at the winter meetings, you know, getting what the uh, the Mariano Rivera American League Reliever of the Year award uh, yesterday. Um, he, uh, you know, he's already been throwing. He said he's been working out for three weeks, throwing in the Dominican. So, uh, you know, I would think he'd be ready. But you know, this is you know, this is really the uh, you know ball clubs. It comes at a terrible. The WBC is a great event. Don't get me wrong, but it comes at a tough time for for major league teams. You know, their team, their players aren't physically ready. You know, usually, uh, you know, they've got to they've got to start training earlier to uh, to be ready for to compete in the WBC. And, uh, you know, you you know, it's not a spring training game. These are these are big games played in front of big crowds. The adrenaline starts flowing and sometimes players start try to do more than they're capable of doing you know, at this time of their training. Well, and I remember the 2017 B, uh, World Baseball Classic and, and Andrew Miller pitching in that, uh, that that tournament for the United States. And, you know, he came back to the to the club and, and struggled with his health, with his knee. And uh, that was a that was a rough season for Andrew Miller uh, coming on the heels of the, the 2016 postseason uh, where he had he had worked so much and, and, and the, the, uh, the Cleveland had ridden him so deeply into the playoffs that uh, you know, it, 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 there is a wear and tear factor on these guys and you you have to sort of be mindful of that, uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the developments are here. 
with the, the WBC and, and who gets announced and, and what the rosters look like here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but for now, it's uh, it, it's nice to, to, to sort of speculate and, and, and think about what uh, what Team USA's roster is going to look like. I think it uh, should be a lot of fun. And, and some of these other clubs, any other Guardians players that, uh, you know, wouldn't wouldn't necessarily jump out. Yeah, you wouldn't realize, oh, oh, yeah, hey, he could play for for this country or, or, or that team or whatever. Yeah, Dean Fries, Fries, a minor leaguer uh, that was born in Colombia, is is uh, you know on the list to play for Colombia. And a former uh, Indians infielder, Holbo Cabrera, is the manager there. And uh, his his brother uh, Orlando Cabrera, you know, but who played for Cleveland as well, is on the coaching staff. Uh, Eli Morgan is uh, you know is on the list for uh, to, uh, to play for Israel. Um, and, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, Ian Kinsler would be the manager for Israel. Um, and, uh, Nick Sandlin was on the list to play for, uh, Puerto Rico, but of course he got hurt, you know, in the postseason, so he will not be available for them. But, uh, Louis Rivera is managing, uh, the Puerto Rican team, you know, and he was a longtime, uh, coach, uh, under, uh, Eric, Eric Wedge in Cleveland. Oh, that's great. Uh, uh, before we get going here, I uh, wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw, but uh, former Cleveland pitcher Mike Clevenger, who, who signed a one-year $12 million deal with the uh, White Sox, he uh, he was interviewed uh, by a Chicago uh, uh, sports site, uh, did, a, did a podcast with uh, uh, the guys out there in Chicago, and was asked about his motivations for, for signing the one-year deal and, and signing with the White Sox, and and the the opportunity to face his old team, uh, and uh, you know he talked about uh, you know what it was like to face the Angels after they traded him to Cleveland. Uh, said uh, said they basically traded me uh, away for a bag of potato chips. That bag of potato chips, if you recall, was was Vinny Pistano in 2014. Uh, but he said he he looked forward to the opportunity to to face the Angels when he was with Cleveland. Every time he did. I think he went four and zero with a three point zero three ERA and six starts against Cal uh, against the Angels uh, with Cleveland. Uh, but then uh, you know they they brought up the Guardians and and uh, you know the the sort of nasty departure that that occurred between uh, Clevenger and Cleveland in 2020 uh, when he broke the COVID protocols and was put on the restricted list and uh, he uh, was eventually traded after that. Uh, in a, a huge deal that turns out for Cleveland uh, in terms of prospects and and players that came over, but uh, now Clevenger, the idea of facing Cleveland 13 times in a in a season next year, uh, says he just wants to shove it down their throats, and that's the uh, the quote that stands out from Mike Clevenger. What'd you think of uh, uh, Clev's comments to the Chicago uh, sports site? Yeah, I was not surprised by that. Uh, you know, I know Clevenger, you know, used, used that motivation when he faced the Angels when he was in Cleveland, and uh, it should make for some uh, interesting head-to-head uh, -head matchups this coming season between the White Sox and uh, the Guardians. They're, yeah. they're, and they are always interesting to begin with, so this should add a little fuel to the fire. Yeah, you got to think he's going to have a chance to face him two to three times at least uh, if if he stays healthy and and stays on rotation. Uh, there there's got to be a good chance uh, uh, that Clevenger faces. Plus, there's opportunities in in two spring training games. Uh, you know, we might even see him then. Uh, who knows? But 
Uh, Clevenger did face Cleveland uh, last year, his first game back after Tommy John surgery. Uh, and he, he got on the mound and, and pitched pretty well. I think he went like four and a third or four and two thirds and, yeah. and uh, in the first game of a doubleheader, and they, they won that game. So, uh, yeah, uh, give him an opportunity to get out there, and, and, and we'll see. But uh, maybe the, uh, the Guardians want their shot at Mike Clevenger as well. Zach Plesak and him will, maybe will hook up if Plesak is still on the ball club. Yeah, well, Plesak's got to got to stick around as well. I, I think uh, could be fun. Uh, could be fun to see those two go head to head. Really wish that the uh, Universal DH wasn't a thing. Otherwise, you know, you could see them step into the box against each other, and and that would be uh, sort of fun uh, in in an alternate universe. I think would be a <laughs> sort of a, a great thing. All right, Hoinsey, uh Rule five draft today. Uh, maybe the Guardians make a move. Maybe they lose some players. Uh, they've got a, a, a overdeveloped farm system, so the chances that they uh, they lose a player or two are pretty high. Uh, the chances that they add a, a player like uh, they did with Trevor Steffen a couple of years ago, uh, maybe that happens. But but who knows? Uh, the Rule five draft traditionally the uh, the wrap-up to the winter meetings in uh, San Diego. Yeah, they're at, I, you know, Joe, I don't know if they're at 39. Well, they're at 39. Now, I don't know if Bell is officially on the uh, roster or not. I guess I don't think he is. So they could add a player, I guess, today. Yeah, and then they, then they would have to make a move when they officially right. announce uh, uh, Bell. So, so right now they've got that flexibility. They could add a player. Uh, we'll see if they do that. Uh, otherwise, uh, it, it's been a... Even if it, even if nothing else happens, it's been a pretty successful winter meeting so far for the Guardians. Yeah, they they did what they had to do. They added some power. They added a bat uh, that's going to lengthen that lineup. And uh, you know they didn't need to do a whole lot, Joe, but they needed to do this. Right, and uh, and we need to do this. We're going to wrap it up here uh, on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. We'll catch you again on Friday uh, to wrap up the week. Hoinsey, we'll uh, we'll talk to you then.